The scripture reading this morning is from Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. And just a little note, um, the first sentence talks about the lake of Gennesaret, and I have a little footnote in my Bible that says that is the Sea of Galilee. Just so you know that we're at the Sea of Galilee and not some other lake you never heard of. So, Jesus calls his first disciples. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you very much, Peggy. This uh, particular story of the fishermen being called by Jesus occurs in all three of the Synoptic Gospels. Synoptic meaning similar. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very similar. They tell a lot of stories about what Jesus did, where he went, and the things he taught and preached. And so this story takes place in all three of the Gospels, which indicates to some degree that it's a pretty important story. It's important if it occurs in one Gospel, but when it occurs in two, it's more important, and when it occurs in three, it's even more important than that. And if Jesus had 12 disciples, he had to call them somehow to follow him, right? And if most of them were fishermen, we believe, then they had to do some fishing. Anybody like to fish out there? A few of you. Anybody else? Okay. Yeah, I know back there we have one, Dick. <laughs> fishing takes a lot of patience, doesn't it? When I was thinking about this passage this week, I was reminded of a really good friend of mine from my very first church in Hellertown, down outside of Bethlehem. And he was the kind of guy who was like some of you, always here, Bruce and Dick and those in the back, the ushers. He was the head usher at this church, this small church in Hellertown. And I'll never forget the first Sunday I walked into the church, that first Sunday in July, 1990 it would have been. And he said, Pastor Bob, 
And then he spoke in Pennsylvania Dutch. As if I should know what he was saying. And when it was obvious I did not know what he was saying, he said, well, aren't you from Lancaster County now? And I said, yes. And my grandparents spoke the language, but I guess I didn't pay attention enough. So he translated it, and this is what he said. Pastor Bob, in seminary, they taught you how to fish for people, and I'm going to teach you how to fish for fish. And so Jim would call a certain day of the week and say, hey, the weather is great. Can you go fishing tomorrow? I'm like, no. Tomorrow I have plans. I have to visit somebody or we have a meeting in the church or something's going on or Bible study. He goes, well, I'll call again. About five times he calls me. Tomorrow the weather's great. Can't we go fishing tomorrow? I said, no, I'm busy tomorrow. Finally, he asked me to go night fishing. Like at 11 o'clock at night until 6 o'clock in the morning. I didn't have a church meeting that time. It was Jim, one of his best buddies, and myself, and we caught 56 fish that night. It was a wow moment. And we're driving back in the car, singing some songs, some old gospel songs, on the cassette radio, no less. And I said to Jim, I said, you know, you were exactly right. He said, what do you mean? What did I say that was right? I said, you said that you, taught, you were taught in seminary how to fish for people, and you were going to teach me how to fish for fish, and you did. Now, when Jesus was saying these words to the people like Matthew and the other disciples of Jesus, the Old Bible, the King James Version and the RSV Version, back before 19, what, 1988, I think it would have been, it said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And of course, what he meant by that was men and women and children and all of humankind, but it was a male-dominated language, even in our own language until recently, right? Right? It wasn't that long ago that we talked about mankind and men for everybody. And so Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, people. That's a big task. Some fish, right, are harder to catch than others. I was talking this morning with Bill about halibut, which can get humongous. Right, Dick? Some fish are persnickety, like some people, and they're fussy about what they want to eat, and they won't touch your warm with a 10-foot pole. I like to fly fish. To, to tie a fly that looks like something scrumptious, some kind of attractive bug, and then have a fish actually eat that? It doesn't get any better than that. The 
disciples of Jesus knew how to fish. Most of them, fishing was their livelihood. It was how they made a living. And in that Sea of Gennesaret, or Galilee, as Peggy so well put, there was a certain kind of fish that was, and still is, delicious to eat. And Matthew and these other disciples, they were experts in catching these fish. You would not know that by reading this story if you didn't know about them, because they fished all night and didn't catch a doggone thing. But they were the pro-fishermen. It was what they did for a living. Not only did they know how to catch fish, but they knew the lay of that lake and where the fish were supposed to be at all times of the day and the night. They spent more time on the water than they probably spent on the land because they were fishermen. There's one thing about fish that you got to know. And that is, when they lay around still for a while, they begin to stink. Right? So I love this little cartoon. Be ye fishers of men, you catch them and he'll clean them. Back to the story of my friend Jim in Hellertown. We caught these 56 fish. It's not a fish story. I can verify it. So we're driving home and I'm thinking, dang, that's a lot of fish to clean. What are we going to do with all these fish? So we get home. Now it's like early morning, about 8 o'clock now, because we were fishing overnight. And Jim says to me, I'm going to show you how we're going to clean one fish, then you're going to go back to the parsonage. I said, oh? He said, yeah. And you're going to call all the people in the church, in the church directory, and see who would like to have some fresh caught fish today. So I watched him clean the first fish, and then I went back to the parsonage, as dutiful as he told me to do. And I began at the A's and went down to the Z's, and you would not believe how many people wanted fresh fish that day. You can't buy it at the market that way, right? But Jim was also teaching me how to fish for people too, wasn't he? Because then, that afternoon, we went and delivered fish to all those people in the church family who said they wanted to have some fresh fish that day. It was an all-nighter and an all-dayer. And it was one of my first, my first year in this church, and did I get to know the people because Jim had me go with him and deliver these fish. Fishing isn't always glamorous. Let's shift gears and talk about fishing for people for a minute. By the way, there's a seagull in this picture. Second time we're out fishing on the boat, out of Belmar, New Jersey. Jim always gets there like two hours early because he wants to get the right spot on the boat. We're standing out there in the boat waiting for the thing to go out into the sea. And a seagull does its thing right on my hat. 
Oh, sometimes fishing is messy. You know, literally messy. When Jesus told Peter and the rest of them to throw their nets down on the side of the boat, can you hear the church complainer in them? We've already done that, Jesus. Been there, done that. Ain't no fish here. We tried it your way. There's no fish. Not a one. Do it anyway. You gotta be kidding me, Jesus. We told you, we just tried that. Do it anyway. And they did. And what happened? Almost two boats, they caught more than 54, almost two boats couldn't hold all the fish they caught. There's a lesson here. I think that if we listen to Jesus, we're going to be successful. Now I'm going to repeat that again because you look like you're kind of asleep today. If we listen to Jesus like Peter and the disciples did when they were out fishing, if we listen to Jesus, we like them will be successful. The problem is that we complain like they started to do. And we make excuses. Been there, done that. Ain't going to work, Pastor. Ain't going to work, Jesus. And we make all the excuses and we don't follow his advice. Now, first, we got to hear him. And some of us are flying around in our lives way too busy to slow down to hear. These fishermen were fishing hard, and they were too busy to hear at first. But if we, like they, listen to Jesus, we will be successful. There's not a doubt in my mind about that. Sometimes fishing is stinky business. Sometimes church work is stinky business. You know, some things don't always go the way we plan, right? Amen, anybody? I mean, right? And a quick update. I heard from Jackie at the end of this week that they found the person that did this. And he's now in jail in Monroe County. I asked you when we first heard about this to pray for him, and I want to keep doing that. And on the one hand, we want to set the example to say that that's not acceptable behavior. But we understand that some people have a lot of problems in their lives too, and we don't understand things. Sometimes working the church is messy business. Not always the way we expect or the way we like or the way we think. Cleaning fish is necessary if you want to eat them. Sometimes it's not easy. I'll never forget watching Jim start cleaning those 54 fish. He was done in no time flat, I was told by his buddy Al. And he handled a fillet knife like I never saw anybody handle a fillet knife in my life. 
And when you're in the presence of somebody who knows what they're doing, it shows over and over again, doesn't it? Jesus was that kind of a leader with these disciples. He knew what he was doing, and it showed. And those disciples became impressed by what they saw. So much impressed that they wanted to emulate what he did. And we hear later, after he was gone, that they did some of the exact same things he did. Healing people. Raising one or two from the dead, even. And spreading the gospel to all parts of the world. When we listen, we will be successful. I like to fish. I said that before. And in my research this week, I came across this fisherman's prayer. I found several, by the way, but I like this one a lot. The fisherman's prayer. I pray that I may live to fish until my dying day. And when it comes to my last cast, then I most humbly pray, when in the Lord's great landing net and peaceably asleep, that in his mercy I be judged big enough to keep. I love that sentence at the bottom. Live to fish. Some people fish to live, right? To get food. But we as God's disciples are called to live to fish for other people. So I'm going to challenge you today. I know everybody here, I think, pretty much. In fact, I know some of you pretty well. And I'm going to ask you a question, but I expect you, since you're in church and we're in church here, to be honest today, okay? Do you like... Being in church. Ooh. I was getting nervous for a minute. (laughs) Most days, right? Most days we like to be in church, don't we? I mean, there's something that brings you back every week. I'm preaching to the 830 choir now, because you're the ones that are here faithfully all the time. So here's the challenge. If you like coming to worship, and if there's something that, whatever it is, keeps drawing you coming back time after time after time, Sunday after Sunday, if you like being here, then can you share that with somebody else? See, we're all called to be fishers of people. Not just Simon, Peter, and all the rest of the disciples, But all of us sitting here in the pews today. Now, some might say, now, Pastor, that's your job. To some degree it is. But think of it this way mathematically. I'm not the greatest mathematician in the world, but I know this. Let's suppose that this week I go out and tell one person why I like to be in worship. That's one person. Let's imagine, then, that every one of you does the same thing. 
How many people is that? A whole lot more than one, right? And study after study has shown, I was talking to Rick this past week on Wednesday, that when a lay person reaches out to somebody else in the church, that has bigger impact than when the church staff or the church pastor does that. I guess because we're expected to do that. We're getting paid to do that in kind of a way, right? We're expected to make the visits and to go out and see people. But when you share that with somebody else, it has much bigger impact and is much more powerful than if I do it. Now, I've got to do it. There's no doubt. And every year, our superintendent, my immediate boss, asked me in the middle of summer... Tell me one time in the last year where you have brought somebody to the Christ. We are called to be fishers of men and women and children. That's my job, but that's not my job exclusively. That's all of our jobs. We're all fishermen. I like to play on words. I like words, you can tell. What do you use to catch a fish? A hook. Either on an artificial bait, or a worm, or a corn, or whatever it is you're using, use a hook, right? (coughs) Not too many of us can tickle a fish in, but we can get a hook in them. (coughs) In advertising, I was taught back in Temple University, back in the mid-80s, That good advertising has a hook. Something to grab their attention. Something that, you know, gets them. Just as we use bait and lures in fishing, we have to think, what is our hook in the church. What is going to impress somebody else? Maybe it's scouts, Amanda. Maybe it's being like Noah, being an Eagle Scout. (coughs) Excuse me. We're called to find that hook to hook more people in. Now, some might say, that sounds kind of self-serving. No, that's doing what Jesus told us to do. He said, follow me, didn't he? He called 12 people to be his disciples. And the world has never been the same since. Because those 12 disciples followed him hook, line, and sinker, and did exactly what he told them to do. Some of us start out right, but then we get distracted by other things out there in the sea. We've got to find out what is the hook for Stroudsburg United Methodist Church, or the hooks. Because for some reason, you're all here today, and it's probably different reasons for different people But if you're here today, and you are, 
that tells me there's something right here. And it's our job to share that with the rest of the world. Jesus, by the way, didn't pick the cream of the crop for his disciples. They weren't anybody extraordinary or extra special. They were common fishermen, a tax collector for crying out loud. They were everyday people like you. The average Joe, the average Jane, who followed him and made a huge difference. I want you this week to think about what is our hook or what are our hooks here in Stroudsburg, now Methodist Church. Part of it might be our soup kitchen. might be family promise. might be scouts, I said before. What are the hooks? And how can we present them so we can follow Jesus and make a big catch for him? Someday, we're going to be at those pearly gates. I saw a funny cartoon the other day about this. I think my mom put it up, actually, on Facebook. Guy is standing at the pearly gates, <coughs> and her, her comment at the bottom was, I'm in big trouble, because St. Peter asked, username and password? We forget them all the time, don't we? But we're going to be held accountable for what we have done as disciples and followers of Jesus. And I don't want any one of us, me or you, to have to say, we didn't do enough. We could have. We should have. No. We did the best that we could. What are the hooks? And how can we present them to truly follow Jesus' command and fish for people? Let us pray. God, you called 12 disciples to follow you many years ago. And you have been calling disciples ever since. We don't always hear the call the same way. We don't often hear an audible sound or voice. But we know you speak to us, God. So we ask this week, boldly, that you would be clear with us to help us to do your command, to hear your call, and to follow you, and to do what you want us to do this week. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.